I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> We're in record. Episode three. Season three. Episode three. Three is the magic number. Why are you speaking like that? I don't know. I've noticed that I do that quite a lot at the beginning of them. I listen to it back when I edit it and I'm like, oh. The uh, noise is probably quite relevant given your current face situation. <laughs> Referring to my acid peel. So hey, tight. Oh. It's, this is what I don't understand about like beauty regimes and stuff. You've literally put acid on your face to burn it off. Yeah, pain is beauty, my friend. Pain is beauty. They basically just like paint with like a paintbrush acid two layers apart from across my top lip because I had to say to her only one because I genuinely felt my sphincter go the first time she did it it was that bad I was like ah! it's so painful and the whole so you, then your face just burns but you can't the thing with it is you can't like wipe it off because if you get it wet it reactivates it so you can't get your face wet for like 12 hours after you have it done so you just have to wait for it to stop hurting and then I, it, like, I still can't get that hard, image. Like a burn, like blisters. And then my skin just starts flaking off. But I will be like a beautiful snake. Butterfly. Within, well, out of your chrysalis. Well, it's more like a snake shedding its skin, I'd say. Okay. But give me 24 hours and I, my face will be like the day I was born. So and getting your hair done, so all good. I'm going to be like a different woman. Anyway... How have you been? Yeah, fine. How have you been? Busy weekend being a uh, commentator? Yeah. Um, also did the big tackle. So did a bit of chatting with uh, Ed Jackson pre-match just around um, predicting that Exeter were going to win. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I like everyone did though. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> although it was ridiculous. You know, it was the first game that I have been to the ground and been there live and I was super buzzing in the car like yeah wicked and then it was like oh this is weird there's just a few people yeah. in the media box and no one and it was it was amazing but at the same time weirdly rubbish because yeah. there's just it was just empty and stadiums become this like 
man-made monster around an amazing yeah. emotional event which is just this like real weird sense of emotion but um yeah cracking game and i really enjoyed commentating um i was with miles obviously and chris ashton yeah. um who yeah having won it and been there and done it um obviously brought his expertise to the commentary booth it's funny you say that um he won it because actually this Saturday goes down as like one of the greatest ever European finals, but I keep saying it doesn't beat 2011, which is obviously the one that Ashley lost. Um, but not just from the perspective of obviously the comeback in the second half by Leinster and Johnny Sexton essentially single-handedly winning the Heineken Cup in a half on his own. It was the fact that it was in the Millennium Stadium with the roof shut. Oh, it was just insane. It was it was unreal. And I do wonder if there had been fans there on Saturday, would I have a different opinion of it? Would I have felt like the magic was there? That's where it felt like it wasn't the same. The magic of watching fans cry, especially when <laughs> Saturday it was always going to be whoever won, it was going to be their first trophy. And yeah. that's special. Yeah. Um you know loads of people have texted me about it and said oh it must have been amazing to be there and I think the problem is is I'm still so like green at commentary I'm so like nervous and concentrating on everything I'm saying and what's going on and analyzing it and looking at the bigger picture that I actually didn't really enjoy it as a game of rugby yeah. because you're so in it and actually you kind of you don't remember lots of things that's happened because you're constantly focused in that moment. So yeah, I, I think, you know, Finn Russell lit up the stage. Zebo was class. Um, we didn't really Why do you think they took him off? Do you think that was a <laughs> fitness or an injury or do you no. think it was just a French decision? I think they're absolutely mental. I think the fact that they had Kirtley Beale on the bench was more of a pull to get him on the field rather than realizing who they were taking off of it. Yeah. Um, and it was the same with Camille Shah at, at Hooker. He's just an absolute wrecking ball. Um, one of the best things I think I've ever heard um, when it comes to his description was flat. And he said he's got a neck like a waist, um, which I just thought was, um, <laughs> I was like, I actually think it is about the size of my waist. Well, I don't know if you noticed, because obviously you're up on the gantry and at that point you're not necessarily watching your monitors. But obviously, Racing came out with the Racing tradition from when they won the Boucle de Brunet the first time round, and they went down the Champs Elysees with their pink bow ties on. So the Racing team came out wearing their pink bow ties, and they couldn't get his done up. His was like hanging around his neck because it was like. And when I say they couldn't get it done up, there was a good like four inch gap because they were obviously they probably should have just. I've got a pink belt with a bow on it that I could have just called Yannick and said, "I could drive this up to Bristol if you can get me into the game." So I found that really entertaining. Any reason to get into the game? Yeah. I, I sent a few texts last week. I was like, right, who can I text? Who might get me in? But alas, no. I yeah, no, it was good. And you know what? As a Southwest girl, to see Bristol do the business on the Friday night, um, it's just class. Like I, I love it because both clubs represent and are on a journey actually pat lamb i think is on the rob baxter journey but they represent everything that's amazing about the southwest and the family culture and i know everyone will say that about where they live but when it is from your area um it is super cool and yeah i think deserved when you say pat lamb's on the rob baxter journey because obviously i'm a pro 14 girl and pat 
took that Connacht job and and did what nobody thought was possible with them, taking them to winning the what was then the Pro 12 final and beating Leinster in the final in insane style and then he's gone to Bristol and has very quickly had quite instant success with them he's the kind of person where you'd say he's on a trajectory to international coaching but at the same time is like the least corporate man in the world he's just like the truest rugby heart that you've ever met he's just so special you know what I don't actually think I think he'd be amazing at um international level but I also think he wouldn't get a lot like the same impact and influence because what he delivers is a culture that runs through every single layer of that club on a day-to-day basis and unfortunately internationally you get everybody together and yeah he would have an impact on pulling people together and you know he was the barbarians coach and I played for the barbarians and when we went to the function with the boys it was like a boys table and a girls table and a boys table and he was like right it was like a school it, honestly it was like a school disco he's like we're going to sit boy girl boy girl so we all got up and like moved around it ended up meaning that I was sat opposite Joe Marler um oh, and God. next to Richard Hibbard which was an entertaining uh, few hours but um yeah I think I don't know like I, I kind of feel like he those cultural things take a long time to build yeah. and would he have the time and the ability to influence at international level when the players are coming in for a short period of time and then dispersing again? Bristol fans wouldn't want to see him go anywhere, but if it looks like Super Rugby is going to have a shake-up, it's going to look very different when we come out the back of this, especially if the South African teams all join the Pro 14 and it becomes the Pro 18 or Pro 26 or however many teams they decide they're going to have in it by the end of it. And we do get... Let's get everyone Come on! And we do end up with something that we've all wanted to see and, and is long overdue, but a Pacifica team in Super Rugby. And can you think of anyone better to coach with passion and get it organised and get a Pacific Island Super Rugby team winning Super Rugby? I mean, to be fair, he's actually got a pretty reasonable group of players from the Pacific Islands at Bristol yeah (laughs) um yeah although and just to think a little shout out you know the fact that Pat allowed Stephen Luatua his captain and club captain to not travel but to be there with his wife to have their child I think just sums it up and there's a photograph of him with his baby and the trophy and he's like I mean to be fair the baby doesn't look that small so (laughs) I love that yeah it was that. so obviously Saturday I think one of the biggest talking points, and somebody tweeted us, and I said that we would talk about it on the podcast, is the Finn Russell question, as I think it's now being called, because I tweeted during the game that it is high risk, high reward with him. And through that, you end up with, he might set a try up, score a try, but there's going to be an intercept in the bag there as well. What camp are you in? Are you in the risk averse or Russell for Lions? Where do you stand? Where do you sit with it? 100% Russell for Lions. I think, um, <laughs> like how much you agree to that one. Um, I think for me, his ability to light up the field. Um, it's interesting actually, because uh, there was a couple of points in the game where you think, oh my God, Finn, he's been like, he's, it's amazing. He's passed this ball and he's come up with all of this creative play. And, of course, he does do that under a whole heap of pressure. But there are also plays that are three, four phases plays that have come out of a plan. Yeah. Because there's certain players on the receiving end of that pass. So 
I would be really interested to know how much him and Prendergast have worked together on an attacking plan and structure that he then orchestrates but actually it then takes away some of the this is all about Finn and can he play a game plan because actually that is fundamentally what a coach also wants that people forget. (laughs) So back in the day when he was at Glasgow so I've always had this thing obviously a 10 is not dissimilar to a quarterback in the NFL and quarterbacks wear a playbook on their arm and I've never really understood why we haven't seen something like that in rugby, Bentio wore an arm guard that was thicker than most plaster casts, so you wouldn't um, get away you, with it. You do with the forwards, with all the lineouts yeah. on their arms. No, but that's what I mean. So Finn, I don't know, I didn't notice on the weekend, I did notice that Zeebs had Axel written on his taping, which broke my heart a bit. But Finn, in the Glasgow days, would have lines and lines and lines and lines and lines of attacking plays or or defensive structure god knows what but he would have so much written on his hand which i've noticed he also like sweeps his brow quite a lot so how it stays there god knows are you sure it's not just a pattern on the uh tape (laughs) no it's, it's on his hand and obviously you can't write on tape anymore really so i'm i've always wondered why he doesn't like wear a playbook be the one be the NFL quarterback of rugby. I don't know, it's pretty simple. You don't want to over plan and overplay. And also you've built towards teams. Like quite often now, actually a lot of teams in Exeter are a really good example that they don't really change their plan. They, yeah. There's like a sprinkling of difference, um, but actually, you know, they stuck to who they are, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. You think like, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design, the way that he plays. Oh, I think, I think it's both. I think he pulls out, he has the skill to do it under pressure, um, to pick the right option. Normally on most plays there's two, three, four, sometimes options, run, kick, pass. You know, he's, he's pulling the strings. He is making those decisions. But what I'm saying is there is clearly a plan in place and there were moments in that final that they were playing two three four phase plays and he was playing them and so as much as people say oh he's this maverick and does everything well he also is showing in my opinion he's showing that he needs to play to a plan and he's doing that um and then it's just a matter of his ability to pick the right decision at the right moment and actually when you look at what he does and how he performs that is more it's more he picks the right decision, yeah. then he does the wrong one. Jouer, jouer. I mean, I found it quite sad seeing rugby fans saying he shouldn't be anywhere near near Alliance Tour. And, <laughs> and, and for me, I'm a bit like, what's the point? Like, sports entertainment. I don't, I don't want to watch a turgid Lions Tour in South Africa. I, I think our generation, and, and I talk about this a huge amount, and I talk about this in interviews with people all the time, 97 and that Lions tour set the tone for the Lions tours of the 21st century. 97 was the first professional tour, but it was one that will live in memory forever. Not just because there's a documentary about it, but it was exciting and and fun and and everything that Lions tour should be. And I don't think we should go into this one feeling like we want a really solid steady 10 against the box. Um, But people can be really cruel. It's like people saying, Finn not for... Uh, the lions you can't cook it's mean isn't it it's not nice <laughs> right but this is something we'll take offline and discuss later because <laughs> this twice in two days so i got absolute going. nibble bite slam dunk then <laughs> you know what actually just whilst we're talking about lions and the box 
on Thursday when I was in the office at BBC and I got told off for talking three times, it was like being back in school, we were talking about it. And because they're not going to play in the rugby championship, the Springboks aren't going to play a test match before the first Lions test. So they won't have played a match between the Rugby World Cup final and the first Lions test. Ah, no pressure. (laughs) What a story. Talking about stories, I'm going to segue. It is linked to a lion and it is linked to rugby offs um look what i got in the post today I've so i thought it, i'd wear it. it team corbs yeah, yeah. Um, amazing to be able to support alex um and you know he's done some incredible interviews but... did you order that or did he send it to you because i feel no, bad I ordered it. Oh, why didn't you tell me now i look bad <laughs> because i wanted a bit of stash it's the first time i've got stash over you i think it should come with a disclaimer though because i was hoping to have a body like abby when i put it on but um hasn't quite not... but anyway um i'm gonna look more like corbs's dad out. when i put it on <laughs> yeah i wanted to give everyone a shout out there's a black version as well um so you can go online he's put, posted loads of links the money goes towards tessa testicular cancer and research um he is doing an amazing job of keeping super positive and smashing through his um his treatment phases so yeah if you haven't seen him the other day he was on um he was on week nine of 12 and he just absolutely blew my mind like i've watched people go through chemo and um have been on chemo wards and watched people have their treatment and it you know most all of us have been touched by cancer all of us have had somebody close to us and it is an unforgiving and unrelenting treatment and he's just he just looks amazing and he's so positive and I know that for him the support that he's had from the rugby community has meant a huge amount and I think that's exactly why let's get everybody wearing one of those t-shirts maybe how how jealous are you how jealous are you at 10 that I've got one and you haven't 11 I was gonna like order one and like send you and Simone one each as well. Now, luckily, I didn't because oh, don't make out that you're the good Samaritan. I've nailed it. I've got one first, um, and I'm very proud to be wearing it. So yeah, and on the back it says "No egos, just amigos," which I think is really. Oh, cool. I love that. I love that. Um, talking of like egos and doing things for charity. The ego has landed, um, Nolly, the <laughs> Laureus woman that she is. You, so Laureus Move the World Challenge looks very different this year because there's no mountains to climb or uh, rivers to cross or I've, I've lost where I'm going with that. I don't know what they do on Move the World because obviously I'm the most inactive person in the world. But oh, move the world yeah, back, lots of crazy stuff. Lots of crazy stuff. So what are you going to do this year for Move the World? I am launching it today. My challenge with my wisdom, which I'm kind of questioning currently, to travel the distance virtually from London to Tokyo. Are you joking? I feel like <laughs> we had to go on like a sponsored dog walk or something. <laughs> you know what? I actually said to Laureus, can I have no end date? And they were like, well, maybe the, the Olympics um, because of the link. But anyway, I've decided to do that distance. It isn't just me and you that we're going to have to do loads okay. of dog walking with Nelly and Koya. Um, I am calling on the rugby community, sporting world, mums and dads, everybody to get behind it because first and foremost, it's raising money for Laureus and the amazing programmes that they support that have been massively hit with COVID. And then actually the reason for the 9,566 kilometres to be precise um, is because I 
really wanted to shine a light on the Sevens programme and the, the situation that they're in on their journey to Tokyo. So my idea is to inadvertently show them that they've got a load of people behind them that got loads of love um, and we will we'll do it virtually. They've got to do it with all the training um, and that we really are behind them. So yeah, I've been in touch with some past players. Um, Guesty was obviously the first one to reply and to get back to me. I've uh, got Maka, got a load of the girls involved. Um, I'm going to be reaching out. So don't think that you can avoid it. Actually, you I saw that Rock, Rocky tweeted something about being in the gym earlier and doing leg day. So I'm assuming that it's warming <laughs> up for this. Yeah, but I think it's really important for those people who aren't necessarily aware at home. It's not just a case of the Olympics being moved back a year, which every athlete and every discipline, discipline in the Olympics is going to have to contend with. For many of the Team GB hopefuls, they have um, unfortunately come to the end of current contracts, which have not been renewed by the union. So they haven't lost their hopes of going to the Olympics and Team GB are qualified. But as it stands, the players who we hope will be togged out for Team GB next summer don't have rugby contracts. They are out on their own trying to keep themselves fit get themselves there so i think your decision to show your support for them is absolutely fantastic and i'm, I'm glad that we can all put our hands up and say yes guys we're behind you and we will help you any way we can yeah and actually you know what anyone that signs up it's there's a minimum donation of eight pounds obviously you can donate as much as you um have available at the moment but even if you can just do a couple of kilometers each day if you're walking to work or you're well not many people are walking <laughs> it might be walking walking on those boring phone calls just stand up and do something on the zooms um or going out for the dog walk or cycling or whatever it might be um just slowly chip away at it and i don't expect anybody to commit a certain amount um it's just the more people that we can get involved, the more that we can rally um, the kind of rugby community and show that support. And, and actually, having spoken to a few of them, I know they're struggling. I know how hard this is. And it links also into a lot of the programmes with Laureus around mental health and wellbeing support for young people. And one of the challenges for COVID, with COVID for those young people is those programmes haven't been running. So you've got potentially in some people's eyes, both ends of the spectrum with sport, but actually it's completely the same in terms of yeah. things being taken from someone, the uncertainty, the fact that the HSBC World 7 Series isn't being played at the moment, you know, and that we spoke about it last week, that it's so important to recognise when you are struggling, but one of, the, one of the ways to come out of a challenging time or to feel better in a challenging time is to surround yourselves with a community and to be part of something. So yeah, this is kind of my way to reach out to everyone and, and hopefully we can also get some really cool stuff on social media and we can connect all the old girls and all the old guys and talk tour stories and all sorts. <laughs> well, talking of sevens players, I noticed Luke Trahan is at the Bermuda Tens sunning himself in uh, Harry McNulty budgie smugglers, but doing the real hard work to get themselves to Tokyo. The girls, plenty of the sevens girls played Premier 15s this weekend. And do you know what? Before we talk about Premier Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 15s, something that we talk about, rugby community and support, and I love to see, you love to see it, was Alona Mar in the States watching Meg assist Ellie Kildun try on Saturday for Wasps and just shouting out that seven sisterhood and yeah, everyone's <laughs> in this together. And I just absolutely love that. I thought, you know, opponents on tour, but, you know, the girls supporting each other from across the miles. So love that. Love to Tell see you it. what, be interesting to see if Alona played 15s, what position she uh, would play. Because she's a beast. Like, she's a strong, powerful woman, 90-odd kilos, and can get around a sevens field. She'd be like... Katie um, Roberts. She's 12. She'd be like Naravara. In, no, I've said it Naravaro. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> she's Jamie Roberts. She's Jamie Roberts at 12. 100%. Crash <laughs> ball centre. No, you know, I actually haven't been able to catch up too much on Premier 15s. I, whilst I was finishing off my final notes... Um, at Ashton Gate, I had my phone with the with the game of Wasps and Quins on. Um, so yeah, saw Ellie's try, um, saw how well they were all doing. Meg was pulling the strings at ten, which was class. Um, good to see Abigail. Yeah, just still so much like Alex Matthews. It's odd. Um, and Celia Kwanzaa was on the wing as well, um, being, a, being a beast. And actually, um, before the game, I was like, mate, basically, mate, just go and go and smash someone, like, just go and have fun, um, go, be, go full beast mode. Um, and I think by things, by the looks of things, she did all right. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I really liked that I mentioned to you in commentary, they said it was probably the fastest back three that the Premier 15s had ever seen. And you don't say that to the former Wasps fullback. You were like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, okay. I, I've right. definitely realised that I'm quicker going sideways than I ever was in, in forwards. So, hey, I, I don't mind. Um, but actually, you know, so I've managed to catch up with some of the other games just on highlights of social media and bits. Um, some of the score lines I was super um, impressed with, actually. Exeter, yeah, Bristol, 22-24. Um, shout out to Poodlehead, Amber Reed. Um, hell of a catch yeah. off the, the restart to score. I, I genuinely, I tweeted it. I've never seen Amber run so fast, um, but brilliant. The Bears tweeted it and they, uh, they put, hold my thatchers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And also in that game, um, a little highlights reel from Garnet McKinder, who, um, fan of the pod and supported us. Um, but she, uh, talk about beast mode. So there's this video on social media, we have to share it, of her just 
sitting down these like two three wingers like buff buff and then she like nails someone in defense so yeah there's obviously something down in exeter that's uh winding her up and well, i don't know what the like devonian version of braveheart is but i feel like garnet's kind of taken on this role it's like to her it's not just that she's gone to play for exeter she is from Devon and she is representing <laughs> Devon. And it's like, and I follow James, her boyfriend on Instagram. And like for James, he's like, she, she just had to do this. I'm like, she hasn't joined the army. Like, <laughs> I find it, it's obviously, I love that. It's really important to hear that it's her home club and she gets to be at its advent in this competition. So lush, love that. Yeah, I know there's a quite a few girls that are from Devon that have been able to play for Exeter and I know how important it is for them to be able to get the opportunity to wear the chief strip, which is cool. And the fact that they played at Sandy Park. Um, I think that there's massive strides forward with the Allianz Premier 15s. Um, and, and talking about that, there's it's, it's interesting, there's been a petition recently um about getting more games streamed and i really like the fact that people are starting to question things and like verbalize the frustrations because a lot of the stuff previously has been around um like what the players think we just kind of chunter away at each other but actually now social media is giving a platform and kind of society is allowing people to to challenge things and be like you know what yeah. this isn't okay i think the problem with having or pushing for all of the games to be live. I can see why people want it, right? So they want to have access to their teams. They want to see the sport live because on replays, it's rubbish. Yeah. But it's unrealistic at the moment to ask the RFU to be funding anything when the piggy bank is empty. It's not even as if they're trying to like push the pennies around. Yeah. It is, it's, it's empty because they are in a, in a deficit. There's also and a massive irony that I think people don't... I obviously come from that world. It's it, That's my industry that's my job it's really expensive to to do a full ob and i know that we're looking at i think they're looking at they put four cameras on a premier 15s game so you've got two on the gantry looking sideways onto the pitch and one on each end which the the merit of that means we've got tmos and things like that all great but that costs a lot of money you've got four camera operators and that's before you've hired the cameras and you've streamed it and when you're looking at televising a game between two sides that've got an annual playing budget of 60 grand something's not right there yeah I, I think the other side of it is to understand why we're doing it and I know I know why people want it of course I want all women's rugby to be shown so we can you know celebrate how amazing all these games are but if we start at the moment if we show all of the games then that's going to disperse the rugby community and the support that we're actually building really really nicely yeah. on one game at the moment my idea is actually and to put a bit of a kind of positive let's do something during this interim of no crowds because actually that's why people want to see it because they can't go to the games live um is to find a pot of funding or put it onto the clubs to produce a highlights package themselves now every game is recorded um, as part of the minimum standards by the clubs mm -hmm. um, and they have to be of a certain standard and there's you know they aren't tv quality there is one camera it's not four cameras so you don't have the close-ups you don't have the different angles that the the roaming cameras have but it would put it will allow people to kind of have the story of the game the highlights so we're not just seeing the try lights we're not just seeing snippets actually you get a packaged version now they are going to be produced potentially by one of the clubs so they might have a slight spin yeah. but actually there's an agreement above around everybody that 
it's done in a certain way, it's packaged up, it's put on YouTube or it's made um, social media friendly. And then actually we're not dispersing the, um, the number of people that are watching the live games across all of the different kickoffs because they're all at the same time. Actually, we're putting it out there for people to see it yeah. and then build a fan base and say, oh, actually, no, I really want more of this. And when they can come and watch, they'll be down at the grounds to yeah. watch live because they want to see the whole game. I do think as well, it's interesting because what you're talking about is essentially what the rap used to be on the rugby club back in the day for the premiership. So not every premiership game is televised every weekend. Our expectation that the women's games should all be streamed when the men's aren't is, is probably a little, we're jumping 10 steps forward when we maybe just need to take one. But your highlights of the men's games, a lot of the time are single camera. That's how back in the day it used to be. I remember you do a package from Welford road and there was a massive pillar in the press box. So if too many tries were scored down one end, you wouldn't be able to see them because there was a pillar in the way. <laughs> but that, that progress has been made in the past few years. It will come with the women's, but I think we do need to walk before we can run with it. And actually, I completely agree with you. Having one game to focus on the weekend and that last weekend being Wasps Quins, I actually think that's a really nice way to do it. It does draw not just everyone's eyeballs to one thing, but the conversation to one thing. And that's how you whip it up on social media because then people are like, oh, everyone's talking about this Wasps game. I thought played Bath. Oh, wait, they're talking about the women's game. And that's, I think, going to have a huge impact if we continue to really, like you say, drill it into one place. I tell you what, talking about Wasps Bristol, Premiership at the moment, that 36, I think it's 36 hour wait for Wasps to see whether they can play in the final. Bristol coming off the back of one hell of a hangover, <laughs> waiting in the wings. What a bizarre, bizarre boys, They have to be on Messy Monday. It's an unwritten rule of rugby. <laughs> It's messy. I don't care if we're in lockdown. I don't care if the season hasn't finished with the sun shining. If this was normal times, they'd be in London, at the ship, or in the church. You know, you do it how it's always been done. It's not fair to take that away from them. But equally, they got absolutely annihilated by wasps. You lose a game, you're out. Exeter win it on default now. Mm. I, You know what? It is bizarre because... I know why they're doing it. I know why they've pulled in the next team because there is so to. much that goes into getting that fixture at Twickenham, yeah. the money to prepare it. They, they're already in there sorting it all out, making it look great. Like it is so important to get that fixture played, but it's, it, it's just such, such a rubbish situation. And you know what, talking about um, what happens after games at the moment, Jack Knoll, did you see his social media posted a picture on his story? Or oh, it's a video of him dressed up um, with his daughter, Nori. He had a tiara and earrings and they were dancing to Frozen. And, his, and the comment was, 12 hours ago, I won a Champions Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was brilliant. I texted him saying, the crown fits, wear it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that. I personally give it to Exeter, double winners. Another thing about lockdown, um, I know you've mentioned recently about, well, first of all, we had Wasps um, Bristol game for the ladies in Allianz Premier 15s cancelled for COVID. Um, you've mentioned about the lockdown situation because from an England perspective, they're supposed to be travelling to Italy um, to hopefully win the Grand Slam of the Six Nations. 
how bizarre is that going to be but also are they allowed to travel because there's a quarantine rule coming back to the uk so yeah we're as of friday in wales we're back in like full lockdown so we've been in these local lockdowns but on friday evening at six o'clock everything shuts all the shops all the restaurants we're back in the full lockdown from the beginning of the year when life was rubbish so we go back into that we're <laughs> <laughs> Mark Drakeford, I hope you're listening. And it was interesting. So one of my BBC colleagues tweeted about how sport was affected. And I'm not getting it here. I don't want to say who it was just for that reason. But he said rugby internationals go ahead. So the outstanding Six Nations match in Cardiff and the upcoming um, autumn games and um, elite football unaffected. He then went on to say that if sport pays your bills you can continue with your sport. So if you're an elite athlete, but you're not a professional athlete, of which there is a difference, you are a prime example of this. You were an elite athlete for 400 years. You were a <laughs> professional for about three minutes. In a less than I did ever. <laughs> yeah, in comparative terms. So what about the likes of the Welsh girls who play? Obviously there are a number of them, I think, what are we up to? Eight or nine at Bristol now. Um, there's players at Worcester, players at Gloucester. They aren't, that's not paying their bills. Are they going to be allowed to, because obviously there's going to be Premier 15's games during November. We assume, we hope, because if there's a lockdown in England, that might change. Are the Welsh girls going to be able to travel for that? Are they going to be told that's not elite sport, that's not professional sport. It just, yet again, women's sport is overlooked by this because there's less money in it and it just devalues the game yet again. Yeah, it, it is an interesting debate about, I. well, it goes back to my um, Gloucestershire Sports Personality of the Year professional athlete. I was a professional, <laughs> but I was elite. So you can mention that on every part this summer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to get it in there. Um, I am so proud of it. The um, I think I've got a certificate for it. But um, you the... got it on the wall. <laughs> she got a tattooed version of it on her arm. Um, I. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the the difference between elite and professional, and the reason why professional is different in this circumstance is they're not working elsewhere which is where your, um, your, bub your bubbles come from. And the fact that the girls are working elsewhere. So, it, you know, it all, all meshes in together, doesn't yeah. it? Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect Bristol massively because I think um, Kim Oliver would have been uh, counting on having them um, available because they're going to lose a significant number of players for the autumns with... Um, with the England girls. So unless you were living under a rock over the weekend, you probably would have seen Nolly's tweet that um, you put out with regard to the fact that the RFU have decided to disregard the guidelines set out by World Rugby on trans inclusion. Um, why did you feel that you needed to put it out? Um, I took some time to kind of consolidate how I felt. Um, having been part of the um, discussion group and working group with World Rugby a um, good few months ago now. Um, obviously, I was privy to all of the information that was um, given at the time and also has been released um, since. And I think I, first and foremost, was was honestly shocked at how the reaction from the unions um, so obviously been announced, uh, England and USA, I think other unions as well, have although 
got right to make decisions and have the jurisdiction over their own domestic game have gone against the advice and guidelines set out by World Rugby. Um, and the other reason I wanted to be able to speak out was because I fundamentally do not agree with people not having the opportunity or ability to to voice their opinion through fear and mainly through fear of being labeled something that they they just aren't and um yeah as a player um as an experienced coach from lots of different levels of the game um the most important thing for me um which was significantly highlighted by all of the research which granted is relatively limiting limited around rugby pointed towards the safety not being there if a trans woman was involved with women's rugby um, and you know what I think world rugby have said they've been really open from the start they've shared all of the research that they've got um, and they've said that they will make changes if research shows otherwise but the fact that the RFU have said that they aren't going with it because of the lack of research um, I just find really difficult to, to understand why because as I say, as a player, as a coach, and as a fan of the game, above anything else, for me, um, the most important thing is the safety of players. I think a lot of um, people who listen to the podcast are, um, by their nature, big Twitter users. So if you don't already follow Ross Tucker, who is Science of Sport, I'd recommend him just anyway, because he's fantastic on concussion, on doping. He's a so clever so clever just <laughs> mind-blowingly clever and so articulate and just brilliant but something that i found quite stark was um ross tweeted in reply to somebody who had replied to your tweet world rugby have said they'll reevaluate the evidence as it emerges you don't need to literally do something to understand the implications of doing it if you know the proxies and predictors i think that's quite interesting that they're asking for research to prove that women will get hurt. That's a very dangerous precedent to set. It's not the right stance that we should be taking. I, I agree. I think that if there is evidence to show that it is safe, then absolutely. You know, I genuinely believe that women's rugby in particular as a strand of the game is one of the most inclusive environments I've ever experienced in all different walks of life that I've been involved in. And um, I think, you know, the, the big thing that we probably need to take from it is that this highlights the lack of research around not just women's rugby, but women's sport. And this is one area that's obviously really, really significant because we don't want to be making people feel like they can't be involved or they're, um, they're being excluded from something that they want to do. But actually, there was overwhelmingly poor amount of um, research around nutrition, around training guidelines, around menstrual cycles, around pretty much most aspects, even the research into the kit that we should be wearing, you know, yeah. like there's so many things. I hope that this is the start of loads more money put into the female side of all aspects of sport. That's only going to develop the game of rugby, opportunities, whatever it might be. But yeah, I, I think that that's potentially a positive that can be coming from this. I do think we have an issue as well with the fact that because this is a very emotive subject, it is quelling the discourse around mature conversation. And I think that there are wider issues than um, safety and fairness, not to um, diminish those. But I just think if this was the men's game and we were saying that there was going to be... Um, people who weren't able to play at the international level. So maybe to put it into context, 
we hear complaints a lot in Wales or we used to when you'd have international players in the same position in multiple regions because it would mean that the pathway to the international game for a young Welsh player had been blocked. Now, if we're saying that a trans woman can't play international rugby for England, but she could play Premier 15s, that's a pathway blocked. We know that women's sport is difficult. We know that opportunity isn't always there. And I do feel that if this was the men's game, there would be other conversations taking place that just aren't even getting an opportunity at this point in the women's. I think the other side, which is a real shame, the amount of people that have said, you know, thank you for speaking up or you're so brave, you put your head above the parapet. And I just feel that it's wrong that we don't have the ability to be able to to share our opinion and like you say, to have discussions around this and be okay that we can not agree, you know, and, and actually look at what we've got available to us. Look at the, the, the world governing body of our sport and see what the guidelines are. This is how I believe I thought it would go, you know, it would pan out and say, you know what they have done, they have resourced this. They have put as much time, effort and money as they can. At the moment, it could be more in the future and it should be more and it will be more. But at the moment, they've done all of that and they're recommending one way, the people that haven't done that amount of work are then disagreeing with it. That to me is something that I don't really agree with because if they're gonna disagree on this, what other areas are they disagreeing with? And then as players, you know, um, are we in the best possible position? Well, you said about the fact that there is a fear factor as always, the try-hard social media DMs are open on Insta, on Twitter, whether you want to talk to us about this, anything else in the game, dating advice, cooking advice, we are here for you. Or, or anyone that might be free and single for LJ. <laughs> Once my peelers come off, they'll be queuing up at the door. Um, talking of rugby crushes, obviously last week we talked about my rugby crush of the week. Um, I've moved on to a younger man this week and... Caleb Clark in the Bledisloe game at Eden Park. I just, I feel like this is where I realize I'm getting old because it's less of a crush and more I just want to adopt him. Uh, maybe I could marry Aroni and be Caleb's stepmom, but nothing made my heart warmer on Sunday morning. When we'd watched guys who we love to bits win a Champions Cup on Saturday and not get to celebrate it with their friends, there was something incredibly special about seeing a nearly packed house at Eden Park and former All Black himself, Aroni Clark, in the stands. And the All Black legend was almost stripped away and he was just a very proud dad and it could have brought a tear to a glass eye. It was just... Have you seen the videos? I haven't, but um, it's part of my to-do list. Unfortunately, we record this too early on in the week and I do my rugby catch-up from Tuesday, so maybe I need to shift around my plans. But... Yeah, look, I've seen some highlights and I've seen some bits and pieces. Um, shout out to him because he's come through sevens as well. Um, but actually, I think one of the most special things for me um, after all of my rugby successes was being able to go over to my family. Um, and in particular, my, my dad, who I know I've shared the story a few times, but would always give me advice after like every game, you know, this was bad, this, you know, and it kept me very, very grounded. He would be positive every now and again, but even after the World Cup final, he did. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> no, I got the medal. Yeah. But you know what? Being able to share it with those people because, you know, my dad, I think maybe more so because he 
has played at the top level consistently for a long time. Granted, it was in the 70s, so the game was very different. But actually, for Callum to be able to share it with his dad, his dad knows what it takes to, to be in, on that field, in that you know sacred shirt. Um, so there'll be a moment for him to know that he's also at the start of a journey that will bring so many wonderful experiences to his life um, and would probably be be kind of relishing in, in that knowing what his son has got to come yeah. ahead of him. I also love the fact that in his post-match interview, because Sky and Z did 400 post-match interviews in the longest build down I've ever seen. So thought prayers, but he, in his post-match interview, they were like talking about the emotion of it and, you know, you're being called the new Jonah and all this kind of thing. And all he had to say in his post-match interview was that Michael Hooper grabbed his nuts. <laughs> Big story. Big story. I mean, I wouldn't want him grabbing my nuts. On that note, um, thank you for joining us this week, Tryhards, and uh, we'll be back next week. We will, and it will be after a Six Nations weekend. How weird and wonderful is that? So weird. Can't wait. Tune in to ITV. It's the Gallagher Premiership final. It's a mad weekend. There's Premier 15s obviously going ahead, but you will be hearing my dulcet tones on ITV for Ireland v Italy. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. I'm flying over to Dublin um, on Friday and uh, I will be with Miles Harrison. I'm not Yay! quite sure his voices. When I found that out, I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, tune in um, because um, obviously that's a really important one for English and Welsh people. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.